0: It's a blessing to be here this morning uh, to share a word from God's word to you about the family. I was asked to come and share uh, this morning. Uh, I thought it was a great honor and a privilege to come be with my friend David Hill, uh, singer, preacher. Just do it all. And so I thank God for the opportunity. Uh, I would ask for your prayers. I'm under the weather like some of you, but I believe God still has a word that he wants to share with us as relates to. This idea of the kingdom marriage. Let me just first uh, start by saying this. Uh, We're going to deal primarily with the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, but I'm going to start by giving an overview or a summary, if you will, of uh, what I believe is God's view of marriage from a biblical perspective from the book of Genesis. We're going to stay there a short period of time, then we're going to go back. And uh, go to chapter 5 of Ephesians and really spend our time there in the book of Ephesians. So, um, as you're getting those handouts, um, let me find my verse for today. If anybody needs a Bible, David can hand you one. If there's anybody, just lift your hand if you need a Bible. Ephesians chapter 5 will be our focal p- passage. Let me just read a few verses in your hearing, and then we'll we'll get we'll get started. Many times when we're talking about the family, many people go straight to Ephesians five verses twenty-two through thirty-three. So I want to read a few verses in in, in that chapter, and then I want to set the stage for you. Starting at verse twenty-two in Ephesians chapter five, it says, "Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife." As also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Today I want to talk about the kingdom marriage, and I put a tagline on it, show and tell. The kingdom marriage, show and tell. I thought about this week, this is uh, Valentine's weekend. This past week, many of you, was with your boo, with your loved one, and you celebrate, gave candy and balloons and chocolates and all those good things, exchanged different gifts. And I was, as I was thinking about that particular uh, event, this Valentine's Day on Thursday, uh, I was looking at the news, and as I began to look at the news, I began to see how many people were leaving the courthouse with marriage certificates. They were showing how they, the, the judge had married them, and they were excited and letting everybody know that they were now uh, husband and wife. But what disturbed me um, was that not only was there men and women getting married, but there was also men and men and women and women getting married. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to hear this today because I'm concerned with the state of the union as it relates to marriage. Because I as I've reflected on Thursday and I thought about those people coming out of that courthouse and they was excited about what they had just done, I wonder how many of those marriages were kingdom focused. I wonder how many of those marriages was Built on a solid foundation as it relates to God's word and his blueprint for what he's calling us to be in our marriages and to how we should this example we should show and tell. Because if you don't know it or not, uh your grandchildren, my grandchildren, my granddaughter is here. I have grandchildren uh <clears throat> that are in a part of our family. My nieces, my nephews, if we don't get this thing right, then guess what? They're going to be affected by the decisions that we're making or the decisions that we're not making because they don't really know or see a healthy, vibrant image of what God is saying a biblical marriage should be. Brothers and sisters, it's time for you and I, even in a church like this, I remember many people begin to say, you know what? Well, we don't have enough people to show God's image. No, you are the image. That's right. We have enough, we we can do what we need to do, but we have to make up in our mind that we're going to go back to the basics. What's the basics? God's word. That's right. Culture has began to define what marriage is. And instead of culture defining, God has already given us a blueprint. It's similar to a story I heard once before of this couple who owned a construction company. They owned a construction company and they had a lot of connections with the city officials. And what this couple did, went and bought a piece of property, and because of their connections, they didn't have to go through the city to get all the permits and the codes and and get their house uh, coded and inspected right. So they went and built them a house in this community. Later to discover that they were building in a place that they were out of code. They were building in, uh, because if you don't know, there are regulations to building buildings and building houses. You can't build a house that is zoned commercial. You have to build a, a commercial building that's zoned commercial and a house is uh, zoned residential. This couple built a house in the in an illegal place only later to come back to get that house uh, knocked down because it was out of place. Brothers and sisters, that's it's the same way as I thought about that story, how many marriages are the same way. When you go back and look at the word of God, many people have hookups and connections. They listen to their friends. They look at TV empire they look at all these other tv shows and they get their idea of marriage from the tv i had the privilege a few months ago to speak at a a conference on this particular subject of marriage and and we talked about this idea of social media and how social media has influenced our marriages and I, i i i thought about this social media versus the sovereign maker Social media gives us an idea of what marriage because everybody put on on Facebook, they're they smiling, they're looking good, right? But then when they're outside of Facebook, they're fighting, they're fussing, they're cussing, they're doing all these things. They're unhealthy in their homes because they don't go to the sovereign maker, which is God. My encouragement today is simply this. We're going to take a survey of marriage in order to encourage you uh, to commit to this, this, this word of God. Are you ready? So let's take a survey. I want to I want to look at, first of all, in the book, what is what is a kingdom marriage on your handout? What is a kingdom marriage? What is a kingdom marriage? The term kingdom in the dictionary is defined as this. A country, state or territory ruled by a king or queen. A country, state or territory ruled by a king or queen. That's the dictionary's uh, definition of, of a kingdom. And also a second definition is this, the spiritual reign or authority of God, the spiritual reign or authority of God. When we look at the Bible, the Bible's definition of a kingdom is this, the rule or reign of a king, the rule or reign of a king. And I want you to think about in a kingdom, there's a king and there are citizens, there are kings, there are rulers in that particular kingdom. There are governors, they are citizens. And so what we have to understand, uh, when we're talking about a physical or earthly kingdom, there are kings, there are citizens, there are subjects. But in God's kingdom, it's the same way. But the only difference is God is the king of his kingdom. We're the citizens of his kingdom. And so as it relates to the kingdom, there are rules and regulations. And because God is the king of this heavenly kingdom, He has given all of us the rules and regulations in his word. He's given us the blueprint and the manual, and he's expecting you and I to run our lives and to live our lives by his standards. So when I look at a kingdom marriage, I I look at it. One, it's a marriage that operates under the sovereign rule and authority of the ruler of the kingdom. It's a marriage that operates under the sovereign rule and authority of the ruler of the kingdom. Doesn't matter what your mom and them did, what your grandma them did, what your cousin them did, what baby them and Shaniqua them do. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, God says, I'm the ruler of this kingdom. I've given you the blueprint for marriage. You need to walk therein. That's right. Many times we get our intellect and we get so smart. How is it that we get smarter than God? Many times we get we we get to the point where it's like you know what well I know what the Bible says I know what I know what my pastor said I know what David here is preaching over here but at the end of the day man when I go back home this is how this is how we're gonna run it over here but see what's happening is you're out of order you're building with the wrong codes you're building with the wrong regulations and eventually that house is gonna crumble down. It's going to be swept away because let me just say this before I go, go too far. This stuff is not fairy tale, brothers and sisters. Come on. Come on. You and I have seen the effects of broken homes and broken marriages right, because people right. didn't start with the blueprint. They that's went right. down to the justice of the peace, got their certificate and waving it and having a good time. But then they got home a week later, two weeks later, a month later, no more marriage. Because nobody took the time to make sure that the foundation is built strong. Let me say this also. Young people, I see a room full of young people. You have an awesome opportunity to get this thing right right. at first. You have an awesome opportunity because there are many people in my age group and above that didn't get it right. They didn't start with the right foundation. And now because their, their foundation is cracked, their houses, their homes are crumbling. You have an opportunity to get this thing right. So let's look at a few things, uh, three major things um, that I want to show you in this idea of showing and telling this kingdom marriage because we need to start pumping what God is saying, letting people see the real deal. First, the ultimate plan. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, the ultimate plan. This is what God says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over all the creeping things that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his what? Own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God said to them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Stop right there. God says, in general, we call this um, this preview, if you will, the trailer to the movie. He says, I want you, he, he says, I'm going to create this male and female in my image. This, this couple that will be created in my image. Image. His ultimate plan was to have one man and one woman Say that with me One man, one, man. one, woman. one woman One man, one, man. one woman <laughs> He created that image The image is this Mind, heart, and will That we would mirror God in those eras That we would become the image And that we would become image bearers right. Now watch this Why did I have you say one man, one woman because two men can't produce the image of God. That's right. That's right. Two women cannot produce the image of God. Come on. It takes one, one man. One. If you didn't learn nothing else today, you learn you learned that one today, didn't you? <laughs> one man. And one, one woman. In our culture, the culture saying no. I can do what I want to do. I can play it the way I want to play it. God is saying no. That's not how it works. The the, the the foundational pr- blueprint was this. The ultimate plan was I want you to have dominion, total rule, total rule. I want you. I want my name to be made great to make other image bearers. That the only way we can procreate and make other image bearers is to have one man and one woman. So that was the ultimate plan. Secondly, the unnegotiable parameters. Look at chapter 2, verses 15 through 15 and 17 first. These were the parameters. God says he's he's the ruler. He gives the regulations. These are the parameters. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall what? Surely die. Not might, you're going to die. So with this new covenant, this new relationship that God was forming, even giving man some, some responsibility, he's saying, now this is how you need to operate need to operate within in this parameters, all right? Then, verse 18 comes and says, Now God sees that man was alone. He says, It's not good for man to be alone. And he says, What I'm going to do, I'm going to make him a helper that's suitable to him. So first, God gives some boundaries and says, Hey, this, this, this tree, this stuff over here, th- this is clear command and consequences. If you mess with this, you're going to die. All right? You're going to surely die. But then he comes back and says, In verse 18, I want to give you this complimentary companion. Now I'm going to bring somebody alongside of you to help to uh, fulfill the mission that I've called you to. A corresponding mate is really what the term is in the original language. A corresponding mate, right? A wife, a woman. But then he says in verses 24, which is one of the passages that you hear read at um, a lot of, Weddings, God says in Genesis 224, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become what Mm -hmm. one flesh. Now, this is the idea of the cutting and connecting. What does that mean in this parameters? If if you are 65, 70 years old and your mom and daddy still have some say in your marriage, you hadn't cut it and you're not connecting. Let me say that one more time. At the end of the day, God said, these are the parameters. Now that you are married, the 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 uh the relationship of husband and wife is now the first priority. That's right. That's right. The first priority. The second will be. I'm sure you will hear this in, in in the weeks to come. The parent, the parental uh relationship will be right after the husband or the spouse relationship. Not mom and daddy. Mom and daddy, is on the back end somewhere now. At the end of the day, this is where I'm going with this. You talking about a kingdom marriage and you talking about your daughters and your sons, Titus chapter two, talking about older men teaching and training younger men and women, uh, younger, uh, younger men, older women teaching older, uh, younger women. If you're talking about having a kingdom idea of marriage and we're not understanding the Genesis 224 about the cutting and the connecting, then we're going to be in so much trouble that it's going to be, it's going to get worse and worse. At the end of the day, God says that now that you are man and woman, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. In other words, they're going to stick like glue. They're going to be they're going to stick like glue uh, because now they are becoming one. They're becoming one. And so at the end of the day, God says, if anything gets in between those parameters, we're going to have some problems. Mm -hmm. We're going to have some problems. I wish I could stay there, but we got to keep moving. The (laughs) ultimate plan, the ultimate plan, Genesis 1, the, the unnegotiable parameters God set up for the couple. But then thirdly, the universal problem. Now, what happened with this perfect picture that God had? Sin. Sin entered the picture and caused a universal problem. Because now in chapter 3, you see this. This story in Genesis 2:25, he says that two uh, chapter two ends like this, and the man and the woman were both naked and unashamed. Chapter three comes in on the scene. Chapter three, verse one, and says, "Now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field." So now you got this serpent entering to the picture. And if you've been in Sunday school or church any long, leaning uh, length of time, then you already know what happens next. The serpent goes talk to Eve. Eve uh, goes in, uh, uh, in verse six. Um, she saw that the tree was good. The tree that in chapter two God said don't, don't. That, that's not what you need to be dealing with, right? And it says that she saw it was good for food. That it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate it. And then she gave it to her husband. She gave it to her husband. So now you have a problem um, in verses 6 and 7. But then in verse 16, as a result of their eating of the fruit and their eyes being open, God then comes back in verse 16 and says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and and your conception. And in pain you shall bring forth children. This is the part we want to underline. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. We call that in seminary, the that fray of that passage, uh, verse 16, The that's where we introduce this idea of the battle of the sexes. Okay. Well, now it's fighting. Male and female. So the husband is, 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 is uh, trying to control, uh, 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 and it's, it's like a sort of control and conquer, right? The husband uh, knows his rightful place and where he should be and what he's trying to do. But then the wife is trying to grab and and get the position because the idea of the word desire uh, is the word that we're looking at. It's not a sexual connotation. It's for his rule and his authority. And so roles were reversed. That was now uh, division. That was now pain. That was now fussing and fighting, if I can put it in 2019. That was now a lot of head button and you can't tell me what to do, and but I'm the man of the house, 2019 the style. The idea was now that there was this hierarchical hiccup is what I call it. A hierarchical hiccup because God has order. He has an order, and so it doesn't matter how much the culture fights this and says, "Well, now I can do a woman say I can do everything a man can do." Well, that's true, right? That's true. But the idea is, in the home, there is a way that God has set the home up to where there is a chain of command. There is a chain of command. When you go to First Corinthians chapter eleven, which talk about a little bit, uh, verse three, he's going to talk about how God is the head of Christ how Christ is the head of the church, and how uh, the husband is the head of the wife, at the end of the day, we look at it in our culture in a negative fashion because of all the negative pictures that we've seen. And so that's what we're telling people. So many of you who are single today, you're like, I don't want to get married. Because if it's like that, I don't want to deal with it. Because you've never seen and you never heard of what is really credible. God, even in Genesis three, after this universal problem crept in on the scene, God is still saying, you know what? I'm putting this picture and it's a beautiful picture. Once you learn, both of you learn how to submit to me. Once you learn, both of you, husband and wife, come under the rank, under the authority of my of my kingdom what happens is it becomes harmonious it That's becomes right. glorious Amen. it becomes something that is god honoring and so when people see marriage they don't see oh man i just better stay i better stay single oh man i can't i can't get with that no you're gonna see god's glory being shown in that home That's right. you begin to see something different so chapter five of ephesians how do we get here how do we begin we saw what happened with god's ultimate plan his parameters, but then the problem. But lastly, I want to show you this. And this is where we're going to camp out. Because for me, there's a lot of things and a lot of vantage points we could come when it comes talking about a kingdom marriage. I wanted to give a survey, a high-level overview of just what the picture should look like. In chapter 5 of Ephesians, we see what I call the unique purpose. Already you're hearing verses 22 through 28. Of Ephesians. Chapter 5. But really we can't start right there. Because if we start right there. We're going to miss. The beauty. Of this relational covenant. This relational commitment. And connection. If we start in in chapter 5. Verse 22 through 28. We're not going to get it. So we have to understand the context. Of how Paul got to this. Paul is the writer of Ephesians. How did he get to chapter 5. Verses 22 through 28. He gets here by talking, and let me just kind of give you this overview. Chapters 1 through 3, basically Paul gives doctrine, right? He gives them the principles uh, to live by, this church at Ephesus. But in chapters 4 through 6, he comes back and gives duty. In other words, he gives the duty and the the practice of what now you're supposed to be doing. Chapters 1 through 3, he gives duty, uh, he gives doctrine. Chapters 4 through 6, now he says, now this is how you're supposed to live this thing out. I'm telling you what the what should be done. Now in chapters four through six, I'm saying, now let's get it done. Chapter four he opens up and he talks about this unity or this unified walk. How the Christian is one and you know with one baptism, one Lord, one spirit, one faith. He goes through all that beautiful, um, uh, that beautiful speech. And then verses 17 in chapter four, he goes even deeper when he talks about this Christian walk of what it should look like in unity and in holiness. The Christian marriage, the kingdom marriage is one that operates in unity and in holiness, in unity and holiness. So he goes from 17 to 32 and shows you in a general way what that looks like. He says that in in, in, in chapter four, uh, start around 17, he says, um, I say to you, therefore, that you should no longer live as the rest of the Gentiles or walk as they walk. The word walk literally means live that your lifestyle shouldn't be like the Gentiles. He says now you, 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 you're, you're new. There should be a whole new focus now. So verse 22, he says, you need to put off some things. Verse 23, he says, in chapter 4, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, he says, now you need to put on the new man, which is being created in accordance to God. Verse 25, he says, now I'm going to give you some more generalities before we even get to the marriage. He says, put away lying. Verse 26, be angry, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I'm going somewhere. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but that which is edifying. Verse 30, do not grieve or make the Holy Spirit sad. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you've been sealed. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away from your your mouth. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Chapter 5, verse 1, therefore... therefore says there's something that went on before chapter 5 verse 1 what did go on he's basically talking about this unified in a general way how to walk in unity how to walk in holiness how to walk as a couple as, as in a general in a general sense in a way that's pleasing to god he gets to chapter 5 verse 1 and says therefore be imitators of god as their children now i want you to think about this even in our marriages if we don't get chapter four, because in chapter four uh, and five uh, through uh, tw- twenty one, he gives general principles. Then in chapter five, verse twenty two, he starts giving specific categories. The first one is marriage on how we to w- we should walk in the spirit, how we should uh, be one in covenant with one another. He says we should be chapter five, verse one, imitators of God. Now, watch this. You wonder why people don't want to get married. You wonder why people, you know, you, some of you, let me just make it even plainer. Many of you may have are in here this morning. You may have grown up in homes where you saw fussing, fighting. You saw everything I just read in chapter four. And so you're saying in my brain, I ain't trying to go there. You saw filthy and abusive speech. You saw, um, lying you saw, um, uh, let him who steals, steals no more, but rather let him labor with his hand. You didn't see dad going to work. You saw him playing Nintendo, or Atari at the house all day long. That's all, I'm, I'm showing my age now, I said Atari. <laughs> my point is this, my point is this. You may have saw a warped view of God's original idea, his his ideal. Today, as you're looking at this passage, Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, um, verse one, that the idea if this kingdom marriage is going to stand. The first primary thing we have to understand is that we are a copy. We have to be a copy, uh, a a representative, a, a great copy. Watch this. That's imitating God because we're his children. Because we are not in darkness anymore. We're children of light. Therefore, we should be operating as children of light, even in our marriage. I wonder why many times we'll end up in situations that don't bring glory to God and don't give honor to our spouse or encouragement to our spouse. I I wonder why we ended up in those situations. Well, I, I probably can answer that question because we're not imitating the christ or the the oneness the unity or the holiness that god is calling for us to, to, to imitate paul says i want you to be a copy i want you to understand his unique purpose the primary purpose in a kingdom marriage is to reflect the image of the king it is a reflection of christ's relationship to the church how many times have you seen christ cut out the church yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to make this easy. <laughs> how many how many times have you seen Christ? You know, say, you know, what? you made me mad church. So guess what? I'm going to pack my bag. I'm going to go on to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but how many times do we sit in our homes? How many times do we see fist fighting and and, and poor ladies got to come to church, you know, come to come to work. Got to put all that makeup on because the husband don't understand his role to love, which we're going to get to in a second, and sacrifice and support that lady Mm -hmm. because he's using his anger in the wrong way. We have to be imitators of Christ. The only way we can have a strong home, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain that builds it. Unless the Lord keeps the city, the watchman work it but in vain. Paul says the primary purpose in a kingdom marriage is to reflect the image of the king. It is relationship of Christ. Uh, it is a reflection of Christ's relationship to the church. So the question would be: what is Christ's relationship to the church, and how much did he love the church? He, he loved the church so much that he was willing to die for the church. So our, our, we, we we should have a copy of this Be, being imitators, verses one and two. The copy of being imitators, I call it flaunting. In other words, people should know that we love one another, that we're respecting one another, that we're operating in, in God's kingdom as He intended for us to operate, that we're uh, emulating the greatest model of the world, in the world, that we're offering. He says um, to do this. Uh, as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and gave Himself an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. But then, secondly, the conduct verses three through twenty-one in, in Ephesians. The conduct is this. Um, he talks about fleeing. I have uh, on your handout fleeing, running away from anything that is anti-God. If you read the, the verses from t- verses three. Uh, to 21, you see, flee fornication, flee covetousness, flee all those things. Now, remember, all these things that he's Paul is listing it to, from chapter 4 17 all the way to this point is general things that a, a, a person that's operating in oneness and unity should not be doing if you're part of the body of Christ. Then he gets to chapter 5 verse 22 and gets specific. So, the idea is he says, the conduct is run away from anything that's anti God. But then verse eighteen is where we really want to look at. he says verse seventeen uh, before we get to eighteen verse seventeen, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is uh which is d- dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. be filled with the spirit to have a kingdom marriage we have to be there has to be one man, one woman. That's really filled with the spirit. What does feel with the spirit mean? It doesn't mean um, that you're, you're not saved. The idea is this. Once we're saved, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, God uh, uh, gives us his Holy Spirit. We are baptized with the spirit. We're good. But the idea is in, in verse 18 is a continual feeling. A moment by moment feeling that it's intentional. In other words, it's 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 the picture of a sailboat on the on the sea being carried along by the wind. It's a moment by moment feeling. In other words, every morning, every day, we ask God, God, fill me afresh, yeah. That's right. fill me afresh. So my, I won't be lying. I won't be cousin. I won't. I have the mind of Christ that I will. I will flee some things. Right. I will I will move away those things that, that are not like you. I want to be filled by you. Then he gives you, in verse 19 through 21, the results of the filling. You're going to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You're going to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. You're going to give thanks always for all the things to God uh, the Father. And then verse 21, you're going to submit to one another in the field of, of God. Then verse 22. Verse 22 comes in and talks about the covenant, the covenant of marriage. And he says in verse 22, "Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as to the Lord? For the, the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and he is is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as Christ is subject, uh, the church is subject to Christ, so also let the wives be subject to the husbands and everything. Then he goes and love, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the word with the water. That he may present her uh, her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blame, without blemish. Listen, lastly. This idea of God creating this ideal, his ultimate plan was that he should have image bearers throughout the earth. That was unnegotiable parameters that he says, these are the things that I want you to operate in. Then the problem came in universally where you had sin entered in and just just turned things upside down. Man began to get out of, out of step with man. Man began to get out of step in relationship with God. But then God comes in Ephesians 5. We talk about the unique purpose. What is the purpose? And it's really to reflect the image of God. In our marriages, it's to reflect the image of God. The copy. We should let people know we should flaunt it. Uh, that should be a conduct. We should be fleeing. We should be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then we should be in fellowship and commune with one another. The idea that Paul is saying in chapter five with this husband and wife, I had the chance a few weeks ago, actually, to speak with some people about this particular, um, this particular passage. And one of the things that this couple said, and she said it, the lady said it right off. I am not uh, submitting because that is uh, some uh, that's 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 not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not submitting to him. And I I wanted to invite her to give me more information as to her background, as to what she was getting that from. Why did she feel like she just couldn't submit to her husband? And as we walked through that, we discovered that she had some broken um, uh, images from her home life from when she grew up, because the idea of submission in her home was this force from her dad. It was this: you're going to do it because I said so. But that's not what God is saying here in his text. That's not the image of submission when it says, Wives, submit to your husbands, uh, and husbands, love your wife. The idea, it's a, beautiful, it's, it's a beautiful coming under the rank. In Philippians chapter 2, when it says that Jesus Christ basically humbled himself to the death of the cross, he submitted himself to the will of God. That's the beautiful picture of submission. Where we're humbly submitting ourselves to the sovereignty of a holy God. And as we do that, we're going to submit to one another. Uh, There's no fighting, no feuding, right? Uh, A a wife will submit uh, based on uh, submission that she will give submission that flows out of her respect for her her husband. And then her husband will sacrifice um, that flows out of his love for her. And so it's a beautiful relationship that occurs when both parties are operating uh, correctly under the the sovereign rule of the king. As we operate under the sovereign rule of the king, then watch this. People begin to see beautiful images of what marriage really is. As we operate under the sovereignty of the king, then people begin to hear better stories than the one that you and I have probably heard in the past. From some family or friends. Because once we understand what God's norm, uh, God's um, uh, unique ideal example is, then it's up to you and I. To go and start living that out, teaching our kids, teaching our grandkids, because like I, I mentioned to you earlier in the, in the sermon, you think about where our, our world is going, where our nation is going. People have redefined what God has already said. This is the standard. And if we as the church are afraid to speak on issues like this. If we as the church are afraid to uh, mirror what God is calling us to mirror, then our world is going to continue to be broken and chaotic. And we're going to continue to run off the side of the cliff with no hope. But God is saying, guess what? Jesus Christ is this as he and his relationship with the church is so inseparable. It's so intimate. We need to start seeing better examples of husbands and wives with that inseparability, with that that intimacy, so that, watch this, as our kids are being trained in the home, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Psalm 78, as we're training our kids, now they're able to see what the the, the marriage covenant should look like. Then, watch this, I'm going to leave you with this one. I thought about this as I was thinking about this sermon, how when I came up, I stayed actually grew up around the corner uh, in South Park. And I remember when cable first came out. When cable first came out, I can remember that um, there were certain things that you can see on regular TV, but you can see it on cable. And so what, what mom did, you know, she made show. hey, listen, you don't go in there and mess with that cable box, right? Little cable box. Don't go in there and mess with the cable box. You know, this is all you're supposed to be, you know, dealing with. You deal with channel 13, channel 11, channel 26. Because, see, channel uh, 13, 26 was censored. But on cable, it was uncensored. But watch this. <laughs> now, channel 13, channel 11, channel 26 are all uh, uncensored. What you saw, what I, what we were restricted from seeing on cable back then, you can see it on eleven on the regular stations now. What is my point? Not only can you see those things, but now version of marriage is being shown on channel eleven, channel thirteen. Let me even do one better than that: Nickelodeon. So now our kids are being introduced to something that's a, not the copy of the, the, the Christ and the relationship of the church. They're being introduced to something that the world has created on cartoon networks. Why is this important? Why, why I take that long way to get to this point? Because I think at the end of the day, you know, again, we got different avenues and different ways we could come at this. My, my thing was the idea of not only the covenant, But also what should this marriage look like going forward in the kingdom of God how should we relate to one another how should we talk to one another how should we be seen how should we speak up the marriage right so that people can know that no we value what God has put in place and because we value it we're gonna we're gonna cherish it and we're gonna let the world know that Christ's original blueprint his plan is the best thing that could ever happen. Amen. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for this day. I pray, God, that you would just continue to uh, give us uh, revelation as it relates to uh, your word. Give us understanding. Give us insight and encouragement as we continue to live our lives per your kingdom agenda as it relates to living and growing in a healthy marriage that gives